Welcome to the Educate US podcast with your host, Nick Saveri, Dr. Stacy Schultz, and Dr. Patrice Fenton. Three former teachers and administrators talking about a wide range of topics happening in education. Time to educate us. Thank you, of course, for listening to Educate US, proud member of the Leon Media Network. Make sure you are, of course, downloading and checking out our show via iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can simply go to leonmedianetwork.com, see all of our episodes so you can quickly download and subscribe. And as you do, ratings always help. A five-star review on Apple Podcasts is appreciated, and you can now be able to offer ratings on Spotify. But lastly, and perhaps most importantly, we want to hear from you. As we continue to grow our presence on social media, email is always appreciated. The Educate US Show at gmail.com. The Educate US Show at gmail.com. We keep things simple and easy here. That's all one word, no fancy symbols or anything else. The Educate US Show at gmail.com. Let us know your reactions as we have these important conversations about this thing we call school. And speaking of school, I'm going to go over to my colleague Patrice on this concept because we are now launching a larger conversation with different audiences. And we have our first audience lined up for this episode. So without further ado, Patrice, I go to you. So we were having a conversation about the fact that school is compulsory in our nation and has been for quite some time. Um, And we thought about this idea of the fact that every young person in our country has to pass through school. And so we wanted to make space to talk to those who this impacts the most, folks who are currently engaged in our education system, beginning with our young people, and not just any young people, literally our young people. (laughs) So we have invited to the Educate Us show our children. Uh, So we'll have with us uh, my son, Jair Fenton Spate, who is entering his second year at Mercy College in New York. We have Nathaniel Jagger, Stacy's also firstborn, uh, who is entering the seventh grade this coming school year. We have Mika Harewood, who is a daughter of one of our dear colleagues, and she will be entering the ninth grade. And then the lovely Audrey Zaveri, who is Nick's daughter, who's going to be entering the third grade. So we wanted to make sure we covered a wide range of grade bands. So we have a wide range of experiences to share with you all. And what better than our own kiddos in our and our families and our community to, to share their experiences with you. So we'll kick it off right now. It's always great to be able to make space for our young people, uh, hearing their voices and what's important to them and finding the opportunity and the space and the platforms that that can happen more and more uh, and and share dialogue about that. So we hope as the school year is kicking off that you, teacher, educators, parents are finding those spaces to really sit down with kids, ask their, ask those questions. Ask like Jair said, how are you doing? What's going on? connecting with our young people and giving them an opportunity to share their thoughts, their feelings, and what's happening for them. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. So this is super exciting. I'm going to kick us off uh, with my firstborn, Jair. Um, So Jair, from your perspective, share with us, what is school about? Like, what is your experience of school? And just speak very, very much grounded in your actual experience thus far as a going into your second year of college. Um, what's school been about for you? Mostly school has, for me, has mostly been about uh, figuring out what you really want to do before entering like 
the big stage of college. So throughout, I'll just start from like elementary to high. It was just more, um, from, from the beginning, it was more of making connections, figuring out how to be a little bit more social. And then the more you go up, it's more of like, okay, what am I going to do? What, what are you going to want to major in? And uh, also, fig- also figuring out yourself, figuring out what you like, what you don't like, how you handle people well, uh, how you handle work. And man, that's, that's really it, honestly, now that I think about it. That's really it. That's just how I saw it, making, making friends and figuring out what you want to do before really leaving school. All right. And I'm happy to also have my firstborn with me, Nathaniel. So Nate, you heard Jair talk about what his experience of school was. Can you tell us what your experience of school has been? My experience with school has been like, there are a lot of different assignments that help you learn and grow throughout your life. And some teachers can be like more strict than others. And other teachers can make you like want to learn by being easygoing and open. Right. Thanks for that, Nate. So Jair, do you want to start us off with that? What do you think school should be about? I think it more should be about helping students uh, not only become better socially, but to also probably, I wouldn't say not too fast, but also figure out what they want to do when they're out of school. Because I've known a lot of people like coming from going to middle school to high school they're just you know doing their classes you know trying to just get the class out the way but when it reaches like 11th 12th grade half of the people I know didn't even know what they wanted to do and I feel I do feel like teachers should be a little bit more upfront about hey you're about to leave soon you should figure out something because normally when you graduate you pick pick your major I know like 10 to 15 people who just pick psychology and I know for a fact they're not going to do psychology when they grow they just picked it and I feel like that's more important to figure out what you want to do so you won't do something boring or like it's not really fulfilling it's just work and I uh really think school should do that more also mental health because I've had I've had a lot of I had a lot of stress in high school and also from transitioning to because in freshman year, I was I was doing high school in Brooklyn and then I moved to Georgia with my with my mom. And I had to adapt to that quick transition into making new friends, seeing seeing all the teachers. It took a little strain too, especially with the work because I wasn't doing good. So it was very stressful. So I feel like we also need to they also need to take time for mental because that's when that's when um, children my age start really dealing with stress and some people don't know how to deal with it correctly. Thanks, Jair, for that. And I know Nate and I have talked a little bit about what we think uh, or what he thinks school should be. And he mentioned kind of similar, helping students find their pathway. But Nate, can you tell us a little more about your thoughts on what you think school should be about? Yeah, so going off Jair, I was going to say like school should help people reach their dreams by also teaching them like what they need to know to help them reach their dreams, but also like helping them out with getting their mindset, like when they leave school to have like, know what they want to do. Basically what Jair said. Just going off of Nate, what you just shared and, and, and Jair bringing you back into this, you both for, for the last moment have talked about, about mental health and you both have spoken about in different ways. Um, But there's a through line here of, you know, what is a school or teacher's role in promoting a culture or promoting an environment that is protective of, of, of one's mental health? Jair, just going to you first, when you think about your school experiences, both recently and even historically, where do you feel that you've been in classrooms where there seemed to be an emphasis on you as a person, your mental health, where you felt most safe? You can mention any Great, any grade or any time that you've been in a, in a classroom, but where would that be? And Nate, I'm going to ask you the same question in a moment as well. Uh, I would say it was in middle school when my uh, when my mom used to work at the school, because when I was in middle school, she also worked at the same school, so it just felt really more comfortable. I was perfect. It was it was great. If I had a problem, I'd just go straight to her, 
it was it made it it made it a little bit more way more easier than any other any other school mostly cj you're found in that <laughs> a nice response on that one in the sense of like like my mother's present my um rolling. yeah <laughs> i have a quick question though was it was it also though because there was a period where you were at that school where i wasn't there yeah but my friends were so yeah, did that help it. also yeah because i knew i knew everyone before i was even like in that grade i was in the bottom grade so i already knew uh miss rowley mr davis miss latier miss muller i already knew all of them and they knew i was coming so it was already easy because i was already comfortable with those teachers so everything became really easy for me nate to you the same question where have you felt most safe where have you felt in school um and it doesn't have to be in a particular classroom it could be with a particular person you've worked with in school at any given year that you've been in school but where have you felt that your mental health has been most protected that it seemed most emphasized or most or most cared for well last year i had a teacher who was like super kind and always wanted to hear what the students wanted to say and he actually took it in carefully and that just made me feel like super safe and i can say anything i wanted in that space and also this teacher did more than just in the classroom right nate can you talk a little bit about some of the things he organized outside of the classroom um, well, he organized like fundraising things. If they like run, it was like a fundraiser for stu students who needed help. He also does a lot of fitness because he thinks that everybody should be super fit and healthy. One of my favorite things to watch them do, they went to Jersey City with mostly adults and did a warrior challenge. <laughs> and he helped all these middle schoolers get through this really intense warrior challenge with a lot of poise and interest and engagement um, and perseverance. So a lot of that was, you know, happening not just in the classroom, but outside of the classroom. That is super awesome. I think, yeah, we're going to talk about actually our next question. Um, but I just wanted to say like, that to me is what really helps to make that connection when students know that you're not just a teacher figure, that you're actually a human being and you get to expand outside of school walls. Um, so to that point, um, wanna go to Jair um, and then we'll hear from Nate also, what advice would you give to teachers? And specifically thinking about like what it's like to be a young person today, right? It's very different than what it was like for Stacey Nick and, and myself. So. What advice would you give to teachers? That's a good one. Hold on. Because I've seen some bad teachers. <laughs> I've seen some terrible Can teachers. you? Yeah, okay. I want to sort of probe that a little further. Define bad in this moment. A, I feel like a bad teacher is someone who is, there's no motivation when you become a teacher. It's just, I'm going to work, giving you paper, do stuff. There's no no engagement, no making sure your kids are, are all right. It's just, I'm just here to get my paycheck. That's really it. There's like no no remorse for like, if a kid's doing bad or if they're struggling, they're not like taking a one-on-one, -on -one, trying to help them out. They're like you're not eager to teach your kids. You're just here to just do work. You're not, I don't know, motivated. And that's one thing teachers need to do is, um be a little bit more I wouldn't say aggressive but like more focused on, on on your children doing good in your class but also at the same time pick out see evaluate what people what kids you see that are not doing good put maybe pull them to the side ask them what's wrong uh, how can I make this better how can I make it easier for you instead of just seeing them struggle and let them struggle until they figure it out and another thing is, again, back to the mental health thing. You can say someone is, you can say you're teaching the class and like there's a, a kid in the, in the back with, with, with their head down the whole class. And you should, at the end of class, maybe just go up to them and just ask them like, hey, are you okay? Is everything okay? You've probably been tired. You know, just also checkups. Checkups are super important. You never know what the kid's going through from either from a school standpoint or a house standpoint so you can teachers should also be a little bit more direct on that too Nate do you want to add to that 
well I think teachers should be like open and honest and teach you what you need to know like well I had a teacher Miss Lane Rogers this year who was super like open and always was helping us but she was like thorough with us on what she wanted us to do and how she expected us to do but also every time we were behind on assignment she would tell us and we would have makeup days and all that I think teachers should be like that so in in the same vein right so we've talked about teachers and the things that you see that don't work the things that you see that do um what about parents what's some advice you have for us to help support you and your schooling experiences um what can parents do definitely trust your kid trust your child when they say they're struggling or like like let's say let's say your kid's not doing well in school and like one of the first things is like i've seen parents do like probably yell at them like why are you doing this why are you doing that just asking questions they probably don't even know yet or maybe you could just ask like is something wrong at school or why are you struggling like i want to say why are you struggling like is there something happening because it could probably be from another standpoint of like i know how to do the work or it's just like they're tired maybe probably tired especially especially in high school another thing is for parents oh this 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 one right here boom when it comes to high school i've seen i've seen this so many times there's going to be especially in this day and age it's going to be trends and influence that's going to do stuff to your to your child they're going to start doing different things and I feel like when it comes to stuff like that, parents should definitely, I wouldn't say like aggressively stop them, but um, what's a good word? Probably experience because I've seen kids with strict parents and when you have strict parents, it, it, makes, the, it makes someone prone to want to do it more for some reason, which it's so weird. Cause I've seen people do crazy stuff. Oh like, yeah, my my parents don't let me go outside. My parents don't let me do this, do that. Uh, like I'm always getting in trouble. Like it's stuff like that where it's like when they finally get that that little inch of freedom or like something they wouldn't do, they're gonna do it more and more and more. So I feel like when you grow, when you, when children start growing up, parents need to give a little bit more lenience of of, of experience instead of like trapping them and like oh yeah don't do this don't do that don't do this don't do that don't do this don't do that stay in school make sure your grades are good it's like there's more I feel like when it comes to school it's more to just grades and making sure your teacher likes you it's more of experiencing new things figuring out what you like making friends having whole different experiences have a girlfriend or boyfriend figuring out yourself um if you like this certain gender you don't like this gender it's like you're supposed to really find who you are when it comes to school. Nathaniel, to you. All right, well, I think parents should, like, have the students back to always be there, like, when they're missing assignments or not doing their work. The parent should be there to, like, help them pass through what they're going through with them. And also, if, like, someone's struggling, they should, the parent should be there and like ask why are you struggling what do you need help with and um help them persevere through the speed bumps and the road to getting to where you want to be so we've been asking you both you know a bunch of questions here obviously you know for you know, for both of your mothers and myself you know we've we've spent collectively i mean I've, i don't know how many years <laughs> collectively we've been in school environments have worked with teachers and yeah, so you could safely say that the three of us have have amassed, I mean, lifetimes, you know, in working in in something in this thing we call school. Are there things that just sit with you both? The things you just want to ask, like, why is it this exists this way, or like anything that sort of sits with you both when you think about school? Things you're just curious about. Yeah, what do y'all think is the best way to handle uh, a like a like a student struggling in a certain class? I'm happy to jump in. I think, you know, I've been in this situation often and as a secondary teacher, uh, you know, credits and passing different 
assessments and such have been a part of whether or not you, you know, get to move on, so to speak, right? Um, or having students who've come to the country with non-continuing education or, or having a lot of different home backgrounds and different competing priorities, honestly, with, you know, the school day, right? The, the rigid structure of the school day. And so one of the things that uh, I always, the approach I like to take to it is a collaborative problem solving, like really trying to understand the experience of the student as much as they feel safe and open and willing to discuss that. And then working from there to really, as the adult in the situation, you know, either partner with the, another adult in that student's life and and along with that student to really determine like what are different pathways forward for that makes sense that are really doable. Um, sometimes I think we ask uh, too much of our young people and then other times we ask too little. <laughs> so I think there's like a nice balance there of also relieving um, some of that the expectations uh, that are put on to the young people in the school building and, and really helping them sort through, you know, what do you need to focus on? Like, what is it that will get you to that next level and, and that you want to go to, that you're striving for and, and also pushing, you know, maybe there's an opportunity to strive for more and definitely have been there with students um, and supporting them, uh, you know, sometimes it seems from the student's point of view and, and language I've heard of like, like there's no, there's no way out that I'm stuck in this situation that, you know, so really helping to give those different outlets that help to see the different pathways out and whether that's, you know, there's a lot of services that the student can engage with outside of the school even and helping to set up with those um, so it's not a super comprehensive answer, but it's just some of the ways to start getting to go and um, with kids who are struggling. Coming from teaching in a school where a lot of students were struggling in various ways um, and teaching across New York City in different contexts, um, I think, you know, along with this like collaborative approach, right, is being able to ask why ask questions um well what's going on you know so Jaya kind of hinted at this as well sometimes you know I have a student at the back of the room heads down the entire class period most teachers well I shouldn't say most but a lot of teachers inclination is to maybe call a student lazy or they don't want to work they don't want to learn you know all these kinds of um dejected sort of um stances and deficit stances as opposed to trying to understand the why behind the behavior, um, because there's always a why, whether it's I didn't get enough sleep, I didn't get enough breakfast, um, I was up late because I had to babysit, I was up late because it was really noisy in my neighborhood, um, I was up late because I'm stressed out, I'm struggling with insomnia. I mean, there's just all kinds of things that young people could be going through. Even just like these devices, being on these devices all day, and what that does to our brains, it could just literally be that overstimulation. There's just so many different things that could come up and can impact a student's performance. So along with that, it's really just, I can't stress enough how important getting to know young people is. Just knowing what they're going through, um, what's troubling them, what's literally keeping them up at night. Um, and also getting to know their parents because that young person and their parents combined are the experts in that person, that young person's lived experience, right? They know that young person the best. So at least in most cases, whether it's a parent or caregiver, um, whatever it might be, but um, just getting to know the human and just going beyond like the, the grade or the behavior in that moment, but understanding like what's that underlying thing that's, that's causing the behavior if if even saying it like that is even appropriate because even that feels very like diagnostic right it's really just about connecting you know and i think that really can help see patricia you just unearthed a conversation <clears throat> that i think if we are able to get you two back on as our guests and and other other young folks as well 
you mentioned devices and the world that we live in with that and stimulation. And I'm taking a note of that because that's that's a really powerful conversation to have because for both for both of our guests, like that's the world you live in. And more than than even for us. And we're the generation that sort of saw the the gap take place, not gap, like when the onset of it took place. All that being said, Nate, I know you've got to go in a little bit. So just giving you a platform for a moment, question that comes up for you, just what you'd like to ask teachers, educators. You'll notice, by the way, for you both, I use the word educator a lot, and it's a little more all of an encompassing word. Um, I mean, it's effective as teacher, but it kind of speaks to everyone who's you know playing a role to play in, in, in what we, you know, this thing we call school. But that aside, Nathaniel, what's a question you like to ask? Why are there so many assignments that like don't really have a meaning? Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, I love this question. <laughs> love this question too. Um, I think sometimes leadership can create an environment where what we define as accountability sometimes isn't made clear. Perfect example, and I've seen this in in schools I've worked with, where there's a question about how many things must be graded over the course of a quarter. Right, because most schools tend to work in quarters, other work, others work in trimesters and things like that. And when that's sometimes not clear, there's a sense of I have to provide more in order to put in a set like in a value to it, what we call a grade. And then suddenly everything feels like it's being thrown at you. But Nathaniel, the part you just mentioned about relevance, because I'm gonna guess, I'm gonna make an assumption here, and Jair, I'll point at you as well. There are times you're asked to do things where it just doesn't feel evident that it's part of a larger reason, or there's really no accountability to it. Whether you do it or not, it doesn't change the experience you have when you return to the classroom. Is that a fair assessment? You can both nod your head in agreement or shake your head and disagree if you don't agree with me. Absolutely. Okay. And the example I always give to schools is about student like summer packets comes up often. You know, people are handed these mountains of papers. (laughs) <laughs> and what I've told Lee, because I've had principals ask this question about, you know, we want to make sure that students are, you know, are doing things over the summer. We want to be able to, you know, you know, look at that. And I always ask this to principals and teachers of what is your plan to infuse what you learn from that into what the students experience is when they come back? If you're having students read a novel, is there a conversation we're all going to have as a class? I don't even care what they wrote, but what actually is the dialogue that's going to take place? And then the look I get on people sometimes is, well, you know, when the students come back, here's what our first day is or second day. And it's like, I'm not seeing anything dealing with the data that was being collected. And that often brings up this conversation about why are you asking people to do this? And Nate, the answer I'm going to give you is that we're still, we're in a better place. I will say this to you both. We're in a better place of people questioning what we give people to do outside the school, believe it or not. There is a larger conversation now having about the about homework and its need. Um, a generation ago, it was never that case. You know, for your, your parents and myself, yeah, you know, we would be just given mountains of stuff to do, and it was just expected. But now, if people are finally realizing, like, why, like, what is necessarily being done outside of school that's necessarily going to influence what happens back in in the building? So, Nate, the short answer I'll give you is that it's. There's a there's a there's a sort of a cloud that still hangs over this idea of accountability and the way we term it or the way we define it, and we're in a place of starting to question that. Um, you're both still living in a place where it's still there. Although Jair, your world's different because in a college setting, I mean, you've got major assessments maybe halfway through end of term, but it's ongoing reading and other activities like that. Um, but yeah, for you both, that's that's the, that's the longer answer I want to give. But I think it's, you know, I think it seems to be the history that, of what we do and the way we sort of consider things that we need to evaluate and to be able to produce evidence, I guess. But uh, Stacey Patrice, though, what would you all add to that? Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I think also, I don't know, in a lot of cases, not all, but a lot of cases, all roads, most roads lead back to capitalism. <laughs> And so I think we have this idea that the more volume we have, the better, like it's just more, 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 more. The more that I have, the better I'll be able to say this kid did well, this kid did not do well. Um, And there's just no evidence really to support that that's the the case. And kind of what I'm hearing both Nate and Jair say is like, I I need you to care for me as a human being. That really doesn't 
like the amount of like assignments that I do, the 90 on a test versus a 60 on a test does not really contribute. And we know this as adults in the grand scheme of things to my well-being and my be able my ability to function as an adult in society. Right. So um I think we sort of miss that. There's also just requirements that come from places above teachers' heads and they have to adhere to those requirements. And so oftentimes it may not even be what the teacher wants to do per se, but there's some sort of system at play that dictates what they have to do in classrooms with young people. And in order to keep their jobs that most of them tend to love, they just have to do it. So it comes down to a compliance thing. Um, but yeah, I I I love this question because I think it it really it it unearths a lot that is actually wrong about our school system. Well, along the lines of capitalism, I mean, when you think about how the schools are structured and the elements of compliance that they're trying to reinforce. Uh, the principles they were building on school was we want to produce workers that follow the rules, right? Or even we want to produce citizens that are compliant, right? And so I think when you think of what schooling was sort of founded on in some ways, we still see elements of that really deeply entrenched in the school system. I think there are creative teachers and amazing schools really railing against that and questioning and trying to do different things, but that's not the norm, right? And then we also, uh, Nick, you talked about accountability and it reminds me of our conversation with Akil about testing, right? And, and the way that standardized testing really seems to inform many assignments and the way schools operate uh, because of these layers of accountability and the way that standardized testing is like currently, right? And, and at different times in history, um, it's been less or more important, right? But we do still see a pretty heavy stress on our schools working. We know they're working if they're doing well in standardized testing. And it's like, that is so limited in their thinking. And if you go back and listen to Akil's conversation on standardized testing, you can be like, yeah, I mean, and what is it even asking? And is it even relevant? And how are we even using it? So I think there's a lot uh, not there to unpack in, in that and, and why we get these un, like just volumes of assignments or assignments with lack of relevance for the humanity of, you know, the youth in our, in our schools. Jair, that's, that's it from us. Um, are there any other remaining thoughts that just come up for you, just for, for our listeners, for people who, yeah, people are just paying attention to what school and school could be as you're, as you're, as you're wrapping up your time with us today. One thing I could say for any maybe teachers or people who thought about getting into that type of land field is when becoming a teacher, you should also the more you want your students to understand what you're saying, you should also understand the kid as well. Always don't let the hierarchy of being the teacher, let them blindside that. You can be human as human as them too. Showing like, hey, it's okay to be struggling. It's okay to be bad at something because you can always get better. You can always like eye level always eye level with your students, always make sure they are, and again, always engage and with every single, every single student, because you never know what they're going through. You never know what's going behind the halls. You never know someone getting bullied. You never know if they're just having a bad day in general. So yeah, mostly just that you should always, always make sure you always make sure your students are good. Your website should be a marketing asset, not an engineering challenge. Empowering everyone from independent designers to whole marketing teams, Webflow combines the power of HTML, CSS, and JavaScript and places them all in a completely visual canvas. Trusted by companies like Lattice and Discord, it changes the way marketers, designers, and engineers create for the web. Now you can build the site you want without the dev time. Start building for free at webflow.com. Hi, Mika. Okay. It's so great to have you here today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. Um, 
I am a rising high school student. I have spent a majority of my time in private school in New York and have spent my middle school experience going to public school in the suburbs. Um, I I am a tennis player. Um, I'm active in sports and other out of school activities and work with my school and with my friends to like grow and help the community. Amazing. Can you tell us a little bit about what school has been about for you? What kind of experiences have you had? Um, For me, school is especially about growing, not only academically, but um, with friends and communities and like social life. For me, like Academically, it's to learn more, to excel in school, and to find new ways to problem solve and new ways to identify identify issues along with becoming more um, aware of the world and how it works. It's also for meeting new people and making friends and community that like you enjoy being around and surrounding yourself with people you would like to be around. And has that been your lived experience of school or is that like some experience that you've tried to create for yourself? Um, That's been my experience with school and also an experience that I try to work towards every day. I definitely, I feel like I have worked very well towards this experience and goal. Awesome. And what do you think school should be? If there's anything you feel like has been missing from school that you really feel like should be integrated into the schooling experience for for kids and youth um personally for me I think school it should be more about the different ways that kids learn and not just the structured way that's taught but the way that other people learn because not everyone learns the same and working to help other students who may struggle more how can you tell us a little bit about how you imagine that would look or or might happen in a school? Definitely. I know my school does this, but having different um math classes for different academic levels, working with students who may struggle more in different time periods, but also having after, having ways to work with kids who may struggle even more than that. And what advice do you have for the teachers and educators listening out there today? Um, definitely try to be as nice to your students as possible. Try to um, control the feeling, especially if your kids are not behaving, but to try and ease them into behaving a little better than personally just like getting upset at them because students react much better to um, not being particularly um, commanded to do things or told certain things in a certain way more responding to be being kinder to students, even if it is difficult. Mika, a lot of other the other Jair, Nathaniel, they both mentioned kind of similar sentiments to teachers yes. of this building relationship, getting to know your students, being kind. And so what has when you're saying that, what's coming up for you? Like what have you seen that maybe that's not happening or when that is happening? I've definitely, from like personal experience and experiencing experiences from um, people that I know and just how um, kids react, just having teachers, most likely what would happen in school is teachers who are more on the stricter side or are more prone to um, getting upset at kids or students are more disliked and will lead to more um behavior that is not is not necessarily wanted in classrooms whereas teachers who are nice and like um trying like get to know their students and really like be kind and help them out are are the teachers who are most well liked and are most like said like oh like you want this teacher like she's wonderful like they're amazing like they're way better than say this other teacher who may be um more strict and um more prone to be getting more upset at students. How are students sharing that information these days? Because I know there's been like all kinds of different back channels or, you know, when I was in school, it really was word of mouth or <laughs> telephone, but are is there ways that students are sharing that information with each other? 
Well, um, for me personally, as a rising high school student, um, I've definitely I've no, I've met girls and people who are older than me who have um had teachers that I will most likely have, and it's mostly like like what you said, like saying it out loud and like personally not. This isn't something that will usually take place like online, but just saying like, oh, like I had this teacher when I was like in your grade, like he or she is super nice and like will definitely help you out or like you don't want this teacher. Like they tend to be more strict and like do these things, like other things. So it's mostly by like advice for like going into an upcoming grade or welcoming in new people who may not know what kind of teachers they have. All right. So we talked about teachers. We talked about educators. What about parents? Do you have any advice for parents in the way they can support uh, their children through the school system? Uh, Definitely for me personally, like as much as I, I can be extremely stubborn, like getting the help. If you feel like your child needs like more help outside of school, give them that help because I've definitely experienced like kids and like friends who have said like, oh yeah, I've pushed like against my parents for this for like so long, like like extra tutoring outside of school for like other subjects. And like now it's like so helpful and I'm like so glad they did this and I kind of wish they'd done it sooner. So definitely like as much as your kids may not want to do it right now, they will definitely thank you once they get started because they really, as much as they don't want to say it, they know they need the help. Thank you, Mika, for your time today. Yeah, of course. This episode is brought to you by KitCaster. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. How do funded startup founders attract prospects and talent? Podcast interviews. How do entrepreneurs with exits find new deals? Podcast interviews. How do C-suite execs differentiate in crowded markets? Podcast interviews. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. Click the link in the show notes for a special offer. Celebrate good conversation. Patrice, I was sitting with a lot there. I'm going to, I want to go to you first. Just what was coming up for you? Just hearing, obviously, you know, you know Jair talking, but also um, just your takeaways overall from these conversa- conversations about to, to Stacey's point. Well, one, it was like, I don't even know how to describe it. <laughs> Having my son in this space. I mean, as he shared, right, I've, I've had him in my professional space before as I was teaching in the school that he went to. Um, but this was a little different and he's obviously very much at a different stage in his life now. So it was just, it was just really cool as an experience. Um, and even I'm having Nate on, like, you know, I've shared space in, uh, Stacy's home and I've seen Nate, uh, with Stacy's other two kiddos and hubby. Um, so it was also cool to have Nate share his thoughts and just be in this space with, with the two of you. Um, but yeah, I think what, what I, I walk away with quite a bit. One is that we just need to listen to children more, young people more. Um, we need to make space to have them share their thoughts and their experiences more. Um, two, I'm struck by the fact that both of them who are very clearly in different um, phases of their educational trajectory, both spoke about this need for relationships and for caring, just really basic caring, caring for the human being that's in front of you beyond just what shows up on a test or what assignments you have to complete, um, just really taking time to get to know and to connect. Um, and I know anytime I'm with, uh, I may have said this on the show before, but anytime I'm with educators, this is the thing that I overemphasize. One, because young people know when you're pretending or when you don't care. But two, also just because, I mean, it's a socially mediated thing. We I think we forget that teaching and learning happens through socializing. <laughs> um, and to be authentic in that means that you need to connect as a human being um, and get to know one another in that space. So um, transcending what whatever ideas we have around what it means to teach and to learn and who's the teacher and who's the learner and what that means. Uh, I think it's really what I heard from him is like, I'm a human being and like, please connect with me as that first and always, thank you. <laughs> um, so I, I just really appreciated hearing from from all of the kiddos and and just the light that they bring to to the subject matter. And hopefully, the educators and and parents who are listening um, can really take that to heart. You know, as you were saying that, I felt they were really ringing through. Like, care about what I care about too. Like, ask me that. 
ask me what I want to do or help me find my pathway. Stacy, I think you just go right into the parallel I draw here, which is, you know, oftentimes in, in our work as leaders, you know, we bring up data to other leaders about how they work with their teams. And, you know, one, the data point I bring up often most is, is the one that Gallup provides about, you know, when people usually leave their jobs, you know, the, the number one reason that they do is because they're a direct supervisor. Now, it's a weird analogy to draw into a classroom setting, but the reality is that for our kids, be it their homeroom teacher or any teacher that they interact with, right? And most, you know, for, for Audra, obviously she's in a self-contained classroom in third grade. So her, her teacher there is that person that has the most direct contact with her. If that person isn't engaging with her, that's the lost opportunity to her and her classmates. And as Stacy, you you just nailed that. You just hit the nail on the head because if I took that clip and played it for a room full of managers, it's the same idea. Like pe- the people that report to you, the people that work with you or work for you, they want to be cared for. They want to be heard. They want their hopes, their dreams, their aspirations to be given some form of space. And it's stunning to me over the course of these conversations that that data point just you know, creep back in my head. And and I just thought that's a weird place to bring that. But that's kind of what we hear a lot from adults that when they don't feel cared for or heard, it does not matter what you're asking them to do professionally. They're going to check out. And that's even more so real now when we're rethinking the way we define work and careers. And that it just kept coming up more and more. We talked about data in the form of assignments and such. And you know, I, I'll go back to what Jair brought up, which is that, like, are you caring about me? And he gave the, I mean, he gave it so funny because we've heard this in so many other spaces in the conversations about engagement and the fact that the student used that word, right? We hear that word presented a lot from teachers and leaders, and they always say, well, we're trying to increase engagement. And we always ask rightfully, well, what do you measure that as? Like, what do you define it as? And here is a student who notices that too be for himself or his peers where the head down, the just not feeling a part of it. The other thing that sort of stood with me was the phrase um, just here to collect a check. And, and I understand it, that that's the lived experience for students, but it also made me sad too, because there's also, and you both, I think are sympathetic to this. The reality is that a system has been put in place that has grinded a professional and let's never forget these are professionals to the point where they feel on this or they appear on the surface as disengaged. And the experience for those who work alongside them or who learn from them is that this person isn't here for me. And what I would say to students, you know, are the students who joined us today and all students anywhere who's listening to this is that there is, there is a system in place that, that oftentimes takes the most aspirational of people and can grind them into essentially a form of dis disengaged dust. And this is not about defending anyone. This is not trying to rationalize. This is about what we all experience, but also recognizing that this person didn't come into this profession this way, because this is not a profession you would go into for this purpose. Um, But something has happened that this person is in a place where they too, like students, need to be reminded that they are people they need to be cared for and often what students unfortunately experience sometimes is the person who's been ground to dust and i keep using the word grind to dust as the visual here but that's kind of what sort of sore lands on me and when i heard both you know in their segment um jair and nate sort of talk about that lived experience yeah you know, there's a larger conversation of well let's talk about how we got here because no one wakes up and chooses to feel this way I truly believe that, but when you feel that all, all portions of your professional universe are kind of already spoken for, predetermined, not focusing on you and your own growth and development and your own voice, then it does feel like you're the puppet. You know, there's a marionette that just sort of moves your strings. You're kind of going along with it, but the reality is that, and I think Patrice, you may have said this. Students pick up on it like any, like any alert person, even more so actually. Um, and that's, that's the ultimate result. 
that students will notice that. And it's the most important piece that students want, which is true for any professional. Treat me as a person. It's making me think of when we were just talking about these questions, Nate and I, and my middle child, Lucas was in the room and he heard the question and he said, oh, what is school experience? It's like prison and death. And he had a lot to say about sort of that disengagement, the lack of voice that he has, the compliance that he needs to follow, like to a T, the teachers that he has no choices about and and just so much around like, and and at the end he said, and I can't even leave if I want to. No, that says so much. I can't even leave if I want to. It goes to that 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 idea that it is compulsory, right? You have to go, you have to go through this passageway. And yeah, I just hope that um these things, these these things that the young people are raising rings a bell for folks as we go into this new school year and some have already started. Um and just thinking about like, I hate to use these terms, but it's like thinking about the end user, but also like you made this really appropriate um, analogy to just the workplace in general. Um, you know, there's this thing that happens at the top, the the proverbial they, whoever they are, and then it trickles down to, you know, whoever's quote unquote at the bottom. And this idea just creates so much fissure and just like, just really inhumane experiences, right? Because there's no way that a young person should be likening their school experience to prison or death, right? But I'm sure he's not the only one that feels that way. So mm-hmm. um, it just says so much about how we're structured and, and what needs to change. And with that in mind, we leave it here. Our I don't even know where to begin with our thanks, obviously to to my colleagues, but also to to our kids as well literally as patrice said our kids uh so of course a big thank you to jair nathaniel mika and audrey thank you for thank you for being authentic like kids are it's the one thing i love about it i text this to my colleagues as we were talking it's the one thing i love about talking to kids is the 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 pure just the pureness of that conversation so thank you to them and thank you to any one of you who just continues to fight the good fight who wants to have that seat at the table who has a view who's been listening who's engaged um and who's getting ready like the rest of us nationally for the upcoming school year thanks for listening